If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Just wanted to take a minute just before we get started on this week's podcast to tell you about a super free resource which is on the Early Excellence website. It's our 3D virtual tour. Through using this, you can go on a real tour of our centre, exploring the interactive environment, zooming in to different areas of provision and looking carefully at them. Um, You'll find it on our website at www.earlyexcellence.com. Go to the ideas and inspiration section and you'll find all sorts of free resources, including this particular virtual tour of the centre. Um, it's a great tool for inspiring your early years and Key Stage 1 teams, especially if you're looking to develop your classroom environments or to develop your resources within your classroom. Hello, Andy Burt here. Um, Welcome along to episode 16 of the Early Excellence podcast. For this week's episode, we have got an interview, a really interesting interview. It was recorded way back in February 2020, which seems like an age ago ago now, doesn't it? Um, Just before the pandemic hit. Um, I visited Panyarden International School in Chiang Mai in Northern Thailand. I was there delivering training. And while I was there, I met Rachel Stevens, who's the early years leader there. And she very kindly agreed to record an interview all about their approach and also to give me a tour of the early years classroom and the outdoor area as well. As part of the interview and the tour, we cover some really interesting themes and ideas um, from following a Buddhist approach, which doesn't include rewards or punishments, to the use of natural resources and the learning possibilities that they provide. And we also talk about the importance of providing an environment where children can negotiate risks. So there's lots here to really think about and get you thinking, I think. Um, I'll be back at the end of the episode with some key questions to think about and to ponder about with your team. Okay, so here you go. I hope you find this interesting. I'm sure you will. Today, um, I've come very far afield to do, uh, to do my training. I'm, I've been over here uh, in Thailand for the last three days, uh, working at Panyarden School, um, international school. And so um, while I was over here, what I wanted to do was to have the opportunity to talk with Rachel, who is one of the, the leaders here, one of the early years leaders here, to be able to share some of the things that are going on here, because there's so many interesting uh, and, and different approaches over here that I think are really interesting to share with people. So thank you, Rachel, for, for having me, first of all. That's okay. Uh, for over here for the training, um, but also for spending some time telling us a little bit about the school. Um, so in a little while, we're going to go on a tour of the school. Yeah. We're going to show us around, show us the different rooms and so on. Um, but just just before we do, just just... Tell me a little bit about, I suppose, about yourself, first of all. Mm-hmm. So when did you come to, to Thailand? I've been in Thailand. This is my seventh year. And okay. I've been at Panyaden. This is my third year. Okay, great. Okay. And then, and so, and what do you have here in terms of classes? When did the children start? So we offer, this year we have children from two years up till um, 
14. Next year, we'll be opening up to 16-year-olds and the year after up to 18 years. Wow. Um, okay. We follow the British curriculum alongside the Thai curriculum. For the older children, it will be the IB. So from 16 to 18-year-olds, they'll be using that IB curriculum, International okay. Baccalaureate. Okay, great. So it's a big setting, isn't it? A big space. Yes. A great big complex. Yes. And uh, I'll put photographs on the, on the uh, on the website next to the podcast so that people, people, if you're listening back in the UK or elsewhere around the world, you can have this visual image of this, this, the, the size of the complex that's here. Really interesting space. Okay, so um, what... In terms of you, to, you, of course, are from the UK originally yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, you've been here for seven years. What, I think what people, many people will be interested in is that idea of what's different. What's the same? What's different about here? So I think my school is quite unique. It's, it's very different to other international schools in Thailand, which I would say um, are quite closely aligned with the British way of doing things. If they are British international schools, the classrooms would look very similar to what you would see back home. You know, often like a rectangular room, a little bit of an outdoor area, Um, very similar to what you would expect to see. For my school, we are quite different in our approach. We are, um, we offer a values-based education for a sustainable future. And so we are a green school. Uh We have three key things that make us different. I think we are a green school. We are values-based using a Buddhist approach. And we also strive for academic excellence alongside those things. So as a green school, we have um, bamboo, rammed earth and mud brick buildings. Okay. So our school motto is love nature. We are surrounded by trees, grass, plants, uh, rice paddy fields in this very natural and open environment where the children are able to access nature, you know, throughout their day. Um, we offer a life skills program and a mind project program that also looks at those aspects of, of being with nature and trying to be sustainable, recycling. We're trying to also become a hub for our community. So Chiang Mai is a place that's people are very interested in sustainability, uh-huh. but on a municipal level, it's not necessarily available things like recycling centers. So we're also trying to set ourselves up as a hub not only educating our own children, but uh, being a place that our local village can bring their recyclable materials, things okay. like that. Yeah. Wow, very interesting. Yeah. That's, well, that's fun. Which, which I think, it, because a lot of what you're talking about in terms of, I think, using the natural materials, mm. I think also fits very nicely with what is often effective practice anyway. Definitely. In that a lot of the things that are sometimes the more commercially available things are the toys and that actually you can't do as much with it. Mm -hmm. But the things that are available naturally quite often, so the pebbles, the stones, the shells, we talked about this, of course, as part of the training, the bamboo that you have here that is so available, so readily available and is part of the very structure of your buildings is also a very open-ended resource that can be used for your water play, for mm-hmm. your uh, for your construction, for your building, for all sorts of different kinds of things, and very interesting. Yeah, definitely. We have to be quite creative um, with our resourcing. Yeah. You know, we can order from abroad, but we try to think about um, natural resources, local resources that we can just bring into the classroom. And of course, like you said, they're very open-ended when you compare to like the plastic resources you yes. might use back home. Um, we are building a secondary school at the moment so as we build we use a lot of off cuts of bamboo to make perhaps a, a spade for the sandpit or yes. uh, construction 
toys. So slices of bamboo, circles of bamboo, round pieces of bamboo of different lengths, um, leftover pieces of wood in the large construction outside. So just using whatever we see around us. And, you know, that develops the language of the children wonderfully yeah. as well. That texture and tactile experience yes. really helps with language development as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. And so you're an international school, of course. Yeah. So what, what strikes you straight away as soon as you come here? When I came here the other day uh, for the first time is the, the, the different backgrounds, the different languages, the really vibrant group of people that you have here. I ought to say that, that today and the last couple of days that we, we are here over a weekend, these, are, it is a, these have been training days. Friday was a training day and yeah. then we've been here Saturday and Sunday. Yes. So the reason you can't hear anybody in the background, you can't hear children chattering or anything like that is, is actually because we are, we, the school is very quiet today, it's a Sunday. Mm, yeah. Okay, so yeah, thank you ever so much for doing this on a <laughs> Sunday course, as well. And at this point, Rachel takes us on our tour of the earliest classroom and outdoor space as well. Um, you may hear another voice at this point. Um, there was another teacher called Jordan, who was a teacher at another school in Thailand at the time of the recording. Um, so you'll hear Jordan asking a few questions too. early years area we have free flow indoor outdoor um including in the rainy season the kids bring how in rainy their, does it get oh really rainy Very, but the kids bring in what are they called wellington boots yes. rain jackets and they yeah, can yeah. go out whenever they want um aside from the smoky season so we have outdoor large construction dough sand water gardening woodwork creative space uh -huh. and then we have our bamboo climbing frame which is for play times yeah. they don't use that in learning center time um we have a school okay. nurse over there uh -huh. this is the bit that you this use the for um, your free flow outside yeah, yes so this is nursery and k1 so the two to four year olds is the nursery classroom and then two k1 so we have one nursery two k1s and then that's our pre two form entry yeah two, two to threes yeah yeah so you've got uh, two to threes um, and then four to fives, so what would be a traditional reception class, and then you've got the equivalent of year one. Mm -hmm. This is still called year one. Why yeah, one? Right yeah. Up until up this year, we go up to year nine. Uh huh. Next year, we'll be up to year 11, and then up to year 13, yeah. but following the IB program. I see. For the 16 to 18 year olds. I see. So we've got uh, three different rooms. Yeah. Along here. Yeah. So we're uh, outside under a kind of a, a the canopy of the building. We're looking out onto an outdoor space which has a big sand pit and crates and painting and different opportunities to come and explore. Um, but there, there is opportunity there to explore indoors and outdoors in, in a free flowing way. Uh, of course, the, the temperature here is very different. We, it's, today it is, I think, 36 degrees, so pretty hot. And so I suppose, you know, that, that kind of the flowing between inside and outside is probably, well, very, certainly very different to how it is in the UK in that you can offer more easily to, it's more easy to offer things like painting and malleable materials outdoors uh, as well as inside potentially. Yeah, for us, we decided to put the messy things outside yeah, because, yeah, of, yeah. because of being a natural building with the floors and things, yes, just to yeah. keep the messy stuff outside, yeah. you can wash it off. Yeah, yeah. This is my classroom, so we have the learning centres in here as well. We have um, mark-making activities, book corner, small world, uh, blocks, construction, 
uh, a role play area, maths, and what we call discovery and investigation yes. station. Um, less tables, obviously, than we saw over in upper primary on the lower primary side. We have a carpet space near the whiteboard if we need to use that. And everything accessible at the kids' height and little cubbies where they put their things, things from home, you know, their jumper when they take it off, but also things they want to take home. We have a nap for um, the two to four-year-olds. Uh -huh. yeah. Once they're in what would be reception back home, they no longer nap. So yeah. they spend between 12 and two even napping or in quiet yeah. time for us. Yeah. What do you do so, in quiet time? Do they just read a book? Or? I normally have a few different baskets. One might have books in, one might have some fine motor activity like threading or perhaps some colouring or different. I sw swap out different fine motor activities each week generally. Um, so they're not disturbing their friends that are still sleeping. Mm -hmm. Particularly as we get near to the end of the year, you know, some of them still need that nap. Some of them, yes, they're over it by that point. So something that's not going to wake everybody up. With your, you know, um, where they were doing painting and stuff like your chalkboard. Yeah. Obviously, it's not like smooth. Mm. Um, so I'm just, just because we have like these issues at school and you brought it up. How are parents in regards to things like that, like kids getting getting hurt and things like that, or like catching themselves on a bit of something? This is a really good question. So we, because we're a very natural environment, our floor is not in any way flat. Uh, we have the climbing frames that are quite high. So even the big climbing frame, our two-year-olds will have time there every week. We, our policy with regards to this, what we emphasize with parents when they come to meet us and we show them on a tour is that children self-select, they self-limit. If you watch a two-year-old on the wooden logs climbing frame, they will stop when it's too far for them. Yeah. And what parents generally do is pick them up higher, right? They will put the kid beyond the limit that they feel safe. Yeah. And then that's generally when we see children crying because they can't get down, right? Mm. It's too, or they're scared. Yeah. So we don't hold their hand when they're climbing. They can put a gentle hand on our shoulder if they want to, but it's more for that moral support, not so much for the physical support. Mm. And when they get to their limit, and, you know, we can see either through what they say or through their face or their, their posture. That's enough. They can come down yeah. to get themselves down. And then the next day or the next month, perhaps they're going higher, yeah. but they're selecting that for themselves. So actually, this is something it's not just something we do, but it's actually one of the policies of the school. So we yeah. tell parents this when they arrive with regards to getting dirty. You don't pick a school in nature like no. this yeah. without some kind of knowledge that your kid's going to yeah. come home with a pocket full of leaves and, sticks <laughs> sorry, and a little yeah. bit dirty. If you think three-year-old's going to come home clean yes. in general anyway. And yeah. so we talk about that. When we when parents come to visit the school, you know, we are different to most schools. We're a Buddhist school, a Buddhist approach school. We are a bilingual school. So you have to know that your child is going to be learning Thai and English 50%, 50%. And, you know, for a third language family, maybe Italian or Chinese, that's a big decision. Yeah. Um, and our behavior policy is quite different. We have no rewards and no punishments. We taking kind of a conscious discipline approach, but uh, based mostly on our 12 voice habits. So we don't have sticker charts. We don't have naughty corners. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about talk and identifying mm -hmm. your emotions and, and finding reasons to be a nice person and ways to communicate and effectively. So parents have to know that because we do have a level of expectation of this to be followed on at home. Yeah. So if you're going to be, you know, putting your kid on the naughty step and then giving them stickers, this might not be the right place for you. Yeah. Um, so when parents come for tours, there's a tour and then there's an assessment, which is more of a, an assessment of whether we get on, whether we're on the same page as each yeah. other. 
Um, and then, you know, we decide together if this is the right place for the kid. And sometimes it isn't in the long run. Sometimes it is. For a lot of kids, it can be quite an open space and that's overwhelming. Mm. Um, for a lot of families, this is the perfect place to explore, you know, the outdoors and nature and a different kind of education. Uh, but you have to be quite open-minded, right? You yeah. have to want yeah. these things, otherwise yeah. it's not going to work. And you have to have that, as you say, that level of understanding of what it is that you're coming into yeah. and why, and the principles behind it and why it's important. Yeah, um, yeah so I think that's really interesting what you're saying about that, that physical challenge and physical risk, you know, that that is an important learning mm. stage, knowing when you feel safe, when you don't feel safe, when you're at the edge of what you can do is important as a learning experience, isn't it? And I think it's important, the consistency for the children with everyone applying that. Because if one member of staff lifts them up or one member of staff holds their hands, yes. the whole thing falls apart. It's got to be consistent. So every year at Panyaden, we do one to two weeks teacher training before the children come in. So mm. we actually have a shorter holiday than most schools. Yeah. And we come back and we do a lot of education. And of course, that's not generally on the curriculum. <laughs> It might be on how we're applying the curriculum or some elements of that, but it's a lot about the Panyadan approach. How do we do things? How do we manage behavior and discipline in the classrooms? How do we support the children with this Buddhist approach and bilingualism and those aspects that are different to other schools? And the eco approach, that's a fourth thing that I would say is quite different. Um, that, you know, we need people... We need to show people how we do it if yes. we're going to expect them to do it. If they're coming from different schools, different backgrounds... Um, you know, it's not a formal sit-down worksheet environment. No, so sure. for some teachers coming from elsewhere as well, that's the kind of thing we need to explain on those weeks. Yes. Um, what we find generally with accidents and things, mm. I think a lot of people come and they, they see the environment and they just imagine, you know, a lot of accidents. But actually, the children really manage their own risks. The best thing for me about this school is that when it's lamyai season, these are lamyai trees, the children climb them at playtime and harvest their own fruit. And wow. actually, we get our own snacks from yeah. these trees as well. So you'll see the canteen cutting them. So coming, walking around and seeing the kids climbing the trees to get their own snack for me is just it's <laughs> an incredible experience. Yeah, yeah. But what we do is each branch, if it is dangerous at a certain point, like it will get weaker, it would have a ribbon tied around it. Okay. And so it's a visual signal to the kids that you can't go beyond that point. Two reasons. Either the branch is very weak or it's overhanging roots like this tree. In which case, if you fall down, you will get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we have a lot of things like that in place with our climbing frame. We have some, a few rules. We don't have many rules, but a few where it's things like don't climb with toys. Um, don't leave a toy on the sand so it's a, a safe area to yeah. land. Yeah. The, the bamboo roof is not a climbing frame. It's not strong. <laughs> no, it's fair it's enough. Not built yeah, yeah. And again, certain areas where if you land on the tree trunk, like you will hurt yourself. So just some simple boundaries. Yeah, some kids. straightforward boundaries. Okay, so thank you very much to Rachel for a really interesting tour of the classroom and the outdoor space and for the interesting discussion as well. Um, certainly, I think, raises lots of interesting questions about practice. Um, so, for example, some of the things you might want to think about following on from listening to the conversation there. Um, you might want to have a think about how do you feel about natural resources? Do you feel that natural resources offer more possibilities than manufactured resources? Also, when you think about your practice, how many natural resources do you have within your provision? How many natural resources do you have inside in certain areas of provision? 
How many natural materials do you have outdoors for the children to use and to explore? What else? Well, what about the approach to behaviour management? Um, certainly, when we, th- when we talk to Rachel, that idea of the Buddhist approach of having, fewer, having no rewards and no punishments is very different to how many schools would manage behaviour within the UK. So how do you feel about the use of rewards? Do you feel positively about it? Do you feel that it has a positive impact? Do you feel that there's a long-term positive impact on the behaviour of your children? And finally, what about risk and risk-taking? How do you approach risk and risk-taking in your school or in your setting? How is risk managed? Are children able to explore risk within your setting? Are children able to explore risk within a carefully managed environment? And if so, what does this look like? And is there a consistent approach across your team in relation to this? Which of course is what Rachel was talking about. Okay, so lots of interesting things there to really, I think, get you thinking and get you talking in your teams. I hope you found that useful. I certainly found it really interesting. Um, next week, join us next week, because next week we are going to be talking all about more open-ended possibilities, actually. We're going to be looking really carefully at blocks and small world play. So block play and small world play the organisation of that within the classroom, the materials, the resources and the possibilities for children in terms of learning.